Hi, G-Paw. How are you today? Good. Good. Today is the 17th of August, 2019, and here with uh, you, G-Paw, and uh, G-Ma, Lori, and Sophia, uh, we're here to talk about um, Hellfire and Damnation for your 1440 program. Thank you, Sabra, and uh, part of the reason I'm talking about Hellfire and Damnation is because Sophia, who's on her way back to the University of San Francisco after a vacation for the summer, did not know I was a firefighter. When I was on my, when I was working my way through college, I uh, took a job at the Forest Service for the summer, and uh, we surveyed roads and um, for uh, logging roads, and that meant we would pack in in the, in the D Douglas firs. You know, there wasn't any roads or anything. We would uh, make a uh, survey where a logging road would be, and we would do the elevations and declinations, and, and we were all young guys. A lot of us were college guys. There were a crew of probably six or ten. And uh, we had a couple of people that were regular full-time. But our primary job, <coughs> which if anyone works in the woods, uh, I was working in, in uh, Oregon, is to be a firefighter. The very first thing you learn when you work in the woods is to fight fire. Because at any moment, at any time, a fire could start, and they're primarily started by thunder and lightning. So we're, uh, you know, we'd go in for ten days at a time, and then uh, pack in, and and then we'd pack out. And when we had like a day off or some private time, we would sit there. And anyone that knows anything about fires, you you sit there and you look up at the sky. That's what you do. You, you didn't watch television, you watched the sky because the big old clouds up there rolling white clouds would crack with lightning and <laughs> forest would uh, immediately start to, to flare up so you can go fight the fire. And we also had a, another job which is when loggers log an area, uh, they leave the remnants of their logging in piles and they're called slash piles and they're uh, bits and pieces of woods, limbs, branches uh, that that are not you know for the logging truck but they, they're, they're piled up in a pile and then when the weather in the, it starts to get to the end of summer a little bit towards the fall the ground gets a little wet they, uh, we light the fires, Forest Service lit the fires, and we would light them, and they're called slash fires. And they're huge, by the way. They make these uh, little fires that colleges have where look like a joke, you know. They're huge, giant fires. And uh, they're control fires. So, uh, and we keep control of those fires by, you know, Digging uh, trench lines and and uh, keeping the sparks down. 
So I'm out with uh, uh, a crew of guys, and, and uh, well, the guy I'm hooked up with is a, no disrespect, is a Jehovah Witness. And we're, we're, we're digging and we're, we're uh, keeping this fire contained as much as we could. And while we're doing it, this fellow is preaching to me about saving my soul. And, uh, you know, and I'm being polite and, and whatever. And while I'm talking to him, this fire starts to really bellow and the wind changes. And the, the fire starts to roar. And it's huge and it's going in a circle. And there's this giant... Douglas fir in the middle of this fire, probably 300 feet tall, and this fire is raging and, and just spinning around and roaring, and this guy yeah, louder and louder and louder about Jesus Christ saving my soul and hell and damnation, and I'm actually starting to feel the, the effects of his preaching because the heat from the fire is getting more and more intense, and all of a sudden, rip! Roar! you got to hear the sound. This tree, this huge tree, is ripped from the ground by the vortex of the fire. And it's ripped straight up out of the ground from the humongous amount of, of uh, velocity of that air going round and round, fed by that fire, that oxygen. And it's thrown through the air like a giant flaming arrow. And this guy is going on and on and on about all this, and I'm watching that go. And it, you know, later on in life when I was at the, the uh, ground zero at the World Trade Center, when the, the fire were going on there, there, all these white things were going around and round and round the building. I thought they were pigeons and things flying in this giant flocks and they were actually pieces of paper, thousand millions of them probably, in this big whir around that building. And then this fire, the wind shifted again and this fire all of a sudden started coming, coming at us. And we had to start running because the fire was going to take us over and we we're trying to find a place to go and suddenly the crew chief of the fire the uh, main guy comes up and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he said Cliff he says here here's your firefighting crew and I I looked around and there were these ten Indians and uh, um, the Forest Service uses Indians to fight fires and they were these really tough-looking men. And uh, he says, you're in charge of them. And I said to myself, what? <laughs> he says, you're in charge of them. So I started, you know, it's the, way, the way you're in charge of them, you dig these lines so that the fire doesn't keep coming at you. So we're, we're digging, and I turned to the leader of the Indian group, and I said, I don't know what to do. He says, just, I'll watch you. He says, don't worry about it. So I'm going to, because I didn't have any time. We're choking and wind's blowing and the smoke's coming. And then suddenly the layer of smoke is like a heavy blanket and it pushes you down. You can't breathe. You're choking. 
Nyagin, so uh, we're falling on the ground and starting to crawl to try to, and the flames are getting larger and larger and I, I'm trying to figure where to crawl to because you can't see. And so I said to the, the, the and we had hold, he had hold of my leg and I had a hold of, of nothing ahead of me except I was, and I said, I don't know where to go. I said, why don't you lead? He said, no, you're the leader. You're in charge. He says, I'll guide you, but you're in charge. And I thought to myself, what? This, this Indian guy, who'd been in thousands of fires, I'm sure, respected the fact that I was the leader. And instead of him coming up and leading the way out, he just steered my feet. He says, you're the leader. And I thought about it for a second. And I thought, well, okay. And so I started crawling, and I crawled to the top of this hill, and, and then we went over the top of the hill, and the smoke dissipated. We were able to stand up and keep working on the line. And I, I've never forgotten that to this day, that here in this hell and damnation, with one fellow, and then another one makes me the leader, and I'm not a leader, and of a fire. And then the Indian chief, well I call him the Indian chief because he was a chief to me, refuses to take my command and he says, you're in charge. You're the leader. And the point of all of this is that we were talking with our granddaughter. I keep trying to tell her what to do with the rest of her life. And uh, you know, as grandparents were supposed to do. And her mother's constantly telling me to be quiet. And my grandmother's constantly, her grandmother's constantly telling me to, to don't push and shove somebody. It doesn't work. And then I realize that she's in charge of her life. We're in charge of our lives. In the most dire situation, like flames are coming around, we're in charge. We're in charge. The recently, I saw uh, some people in a fire, house fire, and a young man grabbed his kids around him and he threw them out the window. The firemen saved their lives. You know, we have to be in charge. When you're in a situation and it seems like you, you need to have leadership, you need to have direction. You know, somebody please tell me what to do. Remember, there's a very famous Indian got a hold of your foot, and he's saying, you're in charge. You're in charge, you know. And if you remember that to say that there's somebody behind you saying, you're in charge, you're in charge, you'll, you'll never find that you're lost. You'll find a way out. You'll find a way to safety. Thank you, Dad. You're in charge, by the way. <laughs> All right, this is the 1440 program, and if you are um, interested and like it, please pass it along. You can always contribute to Cliff and Lori McKenzie at 53 East 7th Street, apartment number 9, New York, New York, 10003. Have a great day.